Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, a breakdown of the Jets' statement win in their playoff opener against the Oilers. Plus, we switch things up going from food to wood. That's right, an interview with Ryan Moyer, co-founder of Wood Jerseys. Play the music. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki and follow the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Well, how about that to kick off a playoff run, Jets Nation? I mean, all the talk going in was centered around how will the dynamic duo ever be slowed down? Is it even possible to keep them off the score sheet? And I had my doubts, to be fair. But despite their best efforts... Edmonton could only hope to contain Toninato and Stanley for two and a half periods. That's right. I mean, who would have guessed? But the playoffs has always been a spot for the unsung heroes to shine. And I don't know if you'll ever find a better example than those two connecting on the game winner. Nobody, and I mean nobody, had Logan Stanley as an NHL defenseman before the start of this season. And I think most people would have guessed Toninato was... Some kind of Italian pass edition instead of an NHL forward. Instead, they stepped up as a number of the Winnipeg Jets did in a monster, monster 4-1 victory and a quick 1-0 series lead against the Edmonton Oilers. So let's break it all down here. That's why you guys are listening. You know, two things were evident to me in the first period early on, and I thought it set the tone for the entire night in Game 1. The first being that it was very clear the Jets had it in their minds from the get-go to hit everything in sight. And I mean everything. That was North End Rig Hockey right there. I I think they hit their highest hit tally of the season by the time, uh, you know, the 10-minute mark of the second period. I mean, they were just, it, it was wild to see. It's not necessarily in their DNA. I know they're uh, a bigger team, but... They were just laying the body all over the place. They took playoff hockey to another extreme. The other, though, was that the first 20 minutes might have been the least entertaining period of hockey we see this entire postseason. It was just not good. It it wasn't great hockey. It wasn't entertaining. It wasn't very enticing, especially when you compare it to what's going on with the Battle of Florida and some of the other matchups in the NHL. 
And, and there were two things that stuck out to me about that point. One was, it's fair and, and I think pretty obvious to say that the energy and the emotion of any kinds of fans in the stands just takes these games to a whole different level. And the Canadian teams just aren't going to have that this entire postseason. And it, it, it's a shame, really. I, I get that it's done for safety's sake. I'm not saying it shouldn't be, but you just you see what's going on down south and... You know, it's hard not to have a little of envy hoping that, you know, that could have been game three with the Jets having a chance to take a commanding series lead over the Oilers. But two and most importantly, that ugly, sloppy first period was the most beautiful thing in the world to Paul Maurice and his coaching staff. I mean, that is their dream come true, watching their game plan come to fruition. And, and look, I know the game wasn't perfect. The Jets didn't have a, a perfect outing. There were still times Edmonton, you know, especially the second period, Edmonton maintained a pretty solid chunk of zone time compared to anything Winnipeg had to offer there. The second was definitely Edmonton's best stretch of hockey in the game. But that was the recipe to how the Jets can pull off the upset against the Edmonton Oilers. Because if things start to get high-flying and freewheeling, you know, Winnipeg might not win a game. Like we saw in the regular season. They're going to lose uh, two out of nine contests. But if you can turn this matchup into a combination of, you know, street fight slash roller hockey on gravel, then the Jets' chances go way, way up, especially with no Ehlers and Dubois in the lineup, lacking offensive firepower. The Jets really didn't have any other choice but to muck it up a decent amount. And I thought they did a great job of that. And they had to. Everybody stepped up. And defensively, this team was about as sound as you could hope for. And it, it might have been one of their best defensive efforts, considering the stakes at hand of the entire season so far. You know, it wasn't all talk. We heard going into the matchup. Pretty much every member of the Jets said, we know what we have to do out there and, and we're going to execute it. And part of me was like, well, you knew what you had to do in the regular season. You didn't do it as you dropped, what was it, nine of your last 11, 12 games, something like that. I, I just wondered if they'd be able to pull it off. And for one game, at least they did. You know, they were crisp on their back checks. They were, you know, outside of a play here or there. Pretty good in their switch offs in the defensive zone. Their coverage was was pretty sound, and at the very least, they made life difficult on Connor McDavid and Leon Drysital. And that's pretty much all you can do when you go up against two of the best five forwards on the planet. So I, I was really impressed. I, I thought the Jets were were really really compact defensively, and if they play like that, at the very least, they're going to give themselves a chance. Connor Hellebuck was sharp and on top of his game. I I didn't you know. I was talking with some people on Twitter and, and somebody mentioned we watched different games because, you know, Hello Buck stood on his head and, and saved the Jets. They were poor defensively. I didn't see that at all. You know, Hello Buck was was great, but I don't know how many grade A scoring chances we saw him stop on the night. Right? Like I, I thought the Jets did a pretty good job of limiting Edmonton to the outside as much as they could. The Oilers were able to get kind of right in and around Hellebuck in some of those tight areas around the net. But I thought he was in good position to make sure there weren't too many rebounds. And, you know, all in all, they weren't the most dangerous of chances, even though they were kind of right on his doorstep. I'll tell you what, it may not be perfect defensive hockey. It may not be what you see out there in Boston 
and you know St. Louis when they went to the Cup Finals. It's it's probably never going to be like that, to be honest. But it's good enough when Connor Hellebuck is on top of his game. So all in all, I I really liked what I saw inside the Winnipeg Jets half of the ice in Game One. Now the big story I kind of joked about it earlier. The dynamic duo. Yes, maybe it's not Tanato Tanato Stanley. By the way, Tonanato Stanley sounds like the perfect name for a law firm that would air a commercial on TV to make sure you get your money back after a workplace incident. Um, but the the big storyline clearly was Connor McDavid absolutely eating the Winnipeg Jets alive during the regular season. Could they find a way to at least limit the damage, right? And, and hey, I was part of the brigade. I was like, hey, if they can keep him to one point a game, that's a major win. If he gets 10 points in seven games, the Jets did a good job against Connor McDavid in this matchup. So it was just, how do we limit the damage here? There was no thought in my mind of completely blanking him off the score sheet. But the Winnipeg Jets did that in game one. And yeah, there were a couple of, I mean, just electric plays off the rush from McDavid breaking through the defense. And you're just going to have to live with the fact that he's going to do that on a nightly basis to, to every team out there. But outside of those plays, you know, Connor McDavid was kind of kept in check. I didn't really see him, and maybe it was a bit of an off night for McDavid. That might have been part of it too. But it wasn't like the Winnipeg Jets were under siege when Connor McDavid was out there on the ice. You know, for the most part, they kept everything in front of them when it came to McDavid and the puck. And they really limited the amount of space that he had to work with. I was really, really impressed with how well the Jets played McDavid in Game 1. You know, two things came from that. I thought Josh Morrissey had one of his best games in a long, long time. He was really, really strong. His partner, on the other hand, Dylan DeMello, I thought struggled. I mean, he was the wearing the goat horns on the first goal, the only goal Edmonton scored on the night, just holding on to the puck too long before eventually turning it over there. But I thought Josh Morrissey was really, really good. I thought he was assertive, aggressive, it looked like the Josh Morrissey that we were used to seeing, you know, three, four seasons ago back when he was paired with Jacob Truba. The other thing, though, was that Neil Pionk, Neil Pionk is, first off, is just a hell of a player. I, I, I love watching him play, and he plays a lot bigger than, what is he listed at, like 5'11", 190, whatever it is. He, he just, he play he's feisty, and he plays a lot bigger than that. But during the regular season... You know, I noticed, and, you know, some other people did as well, that Pionk played McDavid pretty much as good as any other defenseman in the entire North Division. And really, you know, even going back to when each team played each other the previous season, Neil Pionk did as good of a job as anyone, really, in terms of trying to limit the damage McDavid inflicts on you. And I thought Neil Pionk did it again. He, he, he was just really strong, and, you know, I don't really see a reason why you wouldn't try to get Neil Pionk out there as much as you can against Connor McDavid. And not only does he defend him well and, and skate well with him, but we saw a little bit of that edge, didn't we, right? At the end of the first period, too, that there was that that skirmish, and I thought Neil Pionk maybe trying to goad him into dropping the gloves. McDavid didn't take the bait on that one. You know, there was this, I, I thought at least, I thought it was a stupid tweet from the Jets team account saying, what was it, Renfree? Right free in a picture of Pionk punching McDavid. Yeah, I, I don't know. To me, that's just, that's destined to end up on freezing takes. Like, I, I wouldn't put something like that out there. 
but that's cool. It was it was all in good fun, anyways. But Neil Pionk isn't afraid to you know try to get a guy like Connor McDavid off his game after the whistle as well. So I just thought it was an absolute A plus performance from Neil Pionk, and I don't know why you would expect anything different heading into Game Two. Now the rest of the defense quickly, you know, I thought Derek Forbert struggled again beside Neil Pionk, even though Pionk was playing well. It does set up an interesting decision heading into the second game of the series. Now, I know, you know, Paul Maurice and pretty much any coach in the NHL, you know, after you win, you don't really tinker with your lineup or anything. But Logan Stanley again played a hell of a game. He he was really poised, especially considering that was his first playoff game. I wondered if he would potentially get overwhelmed by the speed and the physicality of the moment. But he looked he looked pretty calm out there. I was I was really impressed. And even if you just you know push the goal aside for a second, I, I mean Logan Stanley was their most physical defenseman. I forget who it was in the first period, but Stanley basically ran him through the glass and into the third row. He had a couple other big hits during the night as well. He was just really really impressive. Him and Tucker Pullman both were were really strong on that third pairing. So, hey, maybe you keep both of them together because they, they did so well. But I do wonder if, you know, Logan Stanley maybe at some point here, especially if forward struggles continue, I don't know, maybe just give the kid a chance beside Neil Pionk and maybe the elevated responsibility brings out a little more in Logan Stanley's game. Either way, he's just been tremendous. And man, oh man, I know there's no, you know, the NBA has this award. Maybe the NHL should think about it. But the NBA has most improved player of the year. I I would love to know if there's somebody in the NHL who improved more than Logan Stanley did over the past calendar year. He's just a completely different player. Now, it, I do want to mention this because it was funny. I was going to tweet this out during the game, but I just sometimes I, I choose not to. And then, of course, it kind of played out the way it did. But I was going to tweet out a little bit before the Jets grabbed their second goal of the night. Something to the effect of, Logan Stanley really needs to learn not to shoot the puck the second he gets it on his stick in the offensive zone. And then, of course, he fires one on net. Tonadano tips it in, and the Jets go on to win the game because Logan Stanley fires it on net. And you know what? Both things can be true. That was a great play by Stanley to get it there for the tip and the deflection. And, and that was awesome. And he's got a, he's, he does have a good shot. I'm not saying he doesn't. But boy, oh boy, is he trigger happy. And, you know, Matt, maybe that's a step for next year, right? Is to try to have a little more selection in his game where, you know what? It, it's good that you have it in your disposal. But sometimes the best play is, you know, take a look around, fire it to the other point, try to find somebody in the slot, a forward, you know, that, that that's created some open space for themselves. That That's probably the next step he needs to take offensively. Uh, but it was just funny that, you know, I was like, enough of the shot, Stanley. Let's just try to make a play here. And then he makes the ultimate play, the one that wins the Jets the hockey game. So, yeah, the defense core, all in all, solid outside of a couple hiccups from Forbert and DeMello. Up front, you know, the second line again, that would probably be the only negative on the night. was just that they didn't create a whole lot. I mean, at least Christian Veselainen you know, early on jumped off the page a little bit. He had that great shot on a two-on-one, forcing Mike Smith to make a, a pretty solid glove save. So, you know, a, a nice bit of work from Veselainen, but still, you're still not getting any production out of him in his brief appearances playing with some higher-end players on the Jets. 
I thought it was a pretty quiet game from, from Stasny and Cop 2 as well. So we'll see. I mean, hey, if Ehlers and Dubois either or come back into the lineup for Game 2, we're going to see a, a rejig of everything. And you would think some more offensive potency is going to come from, from the support on that second line. But I just thought overall they had a, a pretty, I don't want to say a disappointing game, but just a pretty quiet game, all things considered. I thought Shifley with a Connor, I thought they were solid. Yeah, I mean, they had they had some issues inside their own zone, which I think everyone's just kind of accustomed to at this point. But they were pretty much the only ones that consistently generated any kind of quality offense. And really, at the end of the first period, I mean, that's a shot Mark Shifley pots into the back of the net nine times out of ten. A, a great play off the rush there. Uh, just, just failed to find the net on that one for whatever reason. But I thought a pretty strong showing, all things considered, for the Shifley line. Especially, you know, with not a whole lot of secondary help in terms of going out there and, and eating some of those tough matchups. I thought Adam Lowry was solid. You know, playoff Adam Lowry is is pretty fun to watch. And, and he's becoming a force out there, no doubt about it. You know, Mason Appleton and Matthew Perot look pretty good beside him as well. And then we get to the fourth line. I mean, <laughs> it's just unreal. There was absolutely no reason to expect anything offensively from the fourth line going into this game. I mean, outside of Trevor Lewis owning the Montreal Canadiens, there's basically, it's been a black hole when, you know, Nate Thompson and his two-winger step on the ice this season. And then, of course, they step up and Nate Thompson has two points, right? Like, it's just, hockey is just, it's so unpredictable sometimes. But it was great to see, right? I mean... Look, when basically the, the top guns went cold on both sides for 45, 50 minutes, in these playoff matchups, you need somebody else to step up. And, and that's what the Jets got in that one. So, I mean, it was just massive. It was, it was massive, the impact that they brought. And, and they were pretty strong all game long, even before that. You know, and, and Dominique Toninato is turning out to be some kind of find here. You know, it felt like they were throwing him into the lineup at the end of the year just to throw the guy a bone, right? But now you're not taking him out of the lineup for anybody, right? As much as some people want to see Jansen Harkins, and, you know, I was probably in that group as well, Dominic Toninato has earned his spot in the lineup for the foreseeable future. Now, the other part of the fourth line contributing, you know, as well as Adam Lowry having a, a solid night with the third line, is that Edmonton's bottom six is horrendous. They are, they're awful. You know, there's no other way to put it. You know, it's just funny because watching them, you're like, how do the Jets lose to these guys seven out of nine times in the regular season? But they just gave Edmonton absolutely nothing the entire game. And that was something that Winnipeg, I think, knew they could lean on in this series. Right where we are going to win that matchup basically no matter who we throw out there because Edmonton all season long hasn't gotten anything from, from any of those guys. I mean, James Hill looks like he can't even skate anymore. So this is why the limiting of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl is so paramount because you know not allowing those guys to run roughshod over you and pick up three, four points each puts you in a super advantageous position to beat this flawed Oilers team. It's just that during the regular season, Winnipeg had no answer for 97 or 29. And you know what? That That's too why that game was such a must win for the Jets as it got you know into the latter parts of the third period tied at one. To me, if Edmonton wins that game, that is way more devastating 
than Winnipeg earning the win and Edmonton having to battle back from that. Just because Winnipeg did such a good job of keeping Connor McDavid in check that, you know, if the Jets were to lose that one while keeping McDavid to maybe one point at the max, that would have been a heartbreaker. You just can't lose any game when Connor McDavid gets under two points. That's that. That's the margin of error for the Winnipeg Jets here. So the fact that they were able to grab that one and skate out with the win, just absolutely massive. And it sets up for a hell of a series. I, I said it's going seven. I, I did take Edmonton, but I don't think anything changes as far as this one going the distance here. You have to expect the Oilers are going to be, you know, a much, much more fired up team for game two. You know, I, I did think, you know, as well as the Jets played at times, I thought Connor McDavid had an off night, and I didn't think Leon Dreisaitl was very good either. So it's it's fair to say and to expect those two are going to be much better, much more impactful. And I think the Jets are going to have to probably put up three or four goals if they want to somehow find a way to skate back home to Winnipeg with a 2-0 series lead. Now, I don't really think there's any adjustments that need to be made on Winnipeg's side, you know, going into this one. The Oilers, I think, are, are going to make their fair share. And I, I wonder if maybe a move, too, would be potentially putting a Ryan Nugent Hopkins on the third line to try to give some pop in their bottom six. Because it's not working, and, and their second line wasn't very good in that game either. I'll be curious to see what Edmonton does to try to rejig and, and create a spark with their lineup. But on Winnipeg's side, I mean, outside of getting a potentially healthier Ehlers or Dubois in the lineup... I think you just throw the same thing out there that you did the previous night and, and play the exact same way. And at the very least, you're going to give yourself a fighting chance in this one. You know, the one thing, too, that I thought worked in Winnipeg's favor in Game 1, and it's so tough to see this from game to game, any kind of consistency, but I thought Winnipeg played right on the edge, probably over the edge, in terms of the, the penalty line. I thought there was a number of times that the Jets could have been called for a hook or a slash or an interference on McDavid and company, but they got away with it, and, and the refs weren't calling it. So, hey, if they're not calling it, keep doing it. I don't have a problem with Winnipeg playing that way either. I think they should try to you know, push the envelope there until they get a call. But you know, I could have definitely seen in an alternate universe... The refs got a little whistle happy in that game, and, and Edmonton gets you know five or six power plays, and it's a bit of a different story. We'll see if Winnipeg can keep walking that tight line and avoid heading too much into the sin bin, but at the same time trying to make things difficult and, and limit that space that Carter McDavid and company have to work with. Either way, just a massive monumental start to the series for the Winnipeg Jets. And we'll get ready for Game 2 on Friday night. We'll break that one down as well as Game 3, the first one back in Winnipeg. We'll have those two breakdowns ready for you guys when we come back with our next episode on Tuesday morning. But that does it for the hockey side of things. We're going to get to a really, really interesting interview about a great company that's just started up here in the city in just a second. But hockey playoffs are underway. Basketball playoffs Pretty much, it's the play-in game, so I guess you could say basketball playoffs are here. And with the big stakes, DraftKings has 20K in total prizes up for grabs. The best part is, it's free. It's a free shot at daily cash prizes because DraftKings is offering two free-to-play pools every day of the NBA playoffs where you get a free shot at 20,000 in total prizes. 
So the DraftKings free-to-play pools, super easy to enter. You download the DraftKings app, you click pools, and then you choose from a variety of free contests. You answer a handful of questions. I mean, it's stuff as simple as, you know, how many threes a team is going to hit? Who's going to score first? You don't even need to know basketball, right? Like, I just did it because I have a chance at 20K. So why don't you go out there and do it? And you don't have to worry about, you know, any kind of inconveniences or anything of that. Because DraftKings, as always, is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the NBA playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time, only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Now, like I said at the top of the show, we're switching things up a little bit this week. No food this time around, but that's because it's a very special occasion and a very special guest. The memorabilia and jersey game has been taken to a completely new level Thanks to the guys out at Wood Jerseys, a company originated right here in the province. And one of the co-founders is actually the Winnipeg Jets stats guy for the last nine years. And he's created, along with his partner, just this awesome company making really high quality crafted jerseys that are made out of wood. It's beautiful stuff. So without further ado, let's bring on, like I said... The Winnipeg Jets stats guy and co-founder of Wood Jerseys, Ryan Moore. Ryan, how's it going today, man? Good. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Oh, no worries. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, You're actually out in Edmonton right now. We're in the building for game one of the series last night against the Oilers. A huge win for the Jets. Now, you actually have, before we get into your company, you have a lot of experience now working and, and dealing with empty arenas. Can you just touch on what it's been like working these games for the last, I guess, year or so without a single fan in the stands. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's still weird. It's, you know, part of what I've been so lucky over the years and in covering hockey and, and being kind of behind the scenes is actually being in the crowd and, and really just, you know, enjoying the energy and the fans and the passion. And, uh, you know what, it's, it's been a, a crazy, you know, year now. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be, in the bubble for uh, the, the Edmonton bubble for the 2020 playoffs. And I covered every single game. So, you know, I'm going on, I'd, I'd probably say over 120 games. So maybe 130 with no fans. So it's kind of, kind of used to it now, but in like a really like sad, weird way, but um, it's definitely different. Uh, you know, it's awesome seeing fans back in the States kind of, you know, we're super jealous of that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, it's just the energy, man. I like, I couldn't imagine what, you know, even being here in Edmonton and what Winnipeg would be like, you know, I was fortunate enough to be there for a couple of the games when uh, the Jets made the playoffs and it's just like nothing compares to it. And especially in the rank and like, you know, you can't even hear yourself think, right. It's just, uh, it's a pretty special thing. So, I mean, hopefully we get back to some normal normalcy soon and, uh, and get some fans back in the rink. Yeah, and you know what? <laughs> watching the game last night, it was it was even more jarring because you're watching like Florida Tampa Bay the first two games, and it's a gong show, and it, it just felt like things were quiet. Like, is it that noticeable to you when you're 
when you go from maybe watching on TV to what you saw some like like last night, for example? Yeah, you know what? It's it's kind of weird because I, I found over the year they've they've really pumped the music and the crowd noise more and more in the rink. So it's actually like super loud. Um, and then while I'm while I'm working games, like I'm, I'm on a headset and I have about nine different voices in my head between the <laughs> between the producer and announcer and uh, you know color guy and and everyone else. So it's actually like. You know, if you take the headset off and in between whistles, it's sometimes it's a little a little quiet. But I mean, there's there's times where it's still it's it's pretty loud. And I mean, you know, without any fans, they're really pumping the music in there. So sometimes it's actually harder to hear and, and kind of collect your thoughts. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just just the energy, right? Like you know, there's nothing there's nothing better than just twenty thousand fans going nuts, right? And you can't you can't replicate that. Can you maybe just touch on what it's like entering the rink with all the you know restrictions and guidelines that are in place? Like how how different is it than you know back three four years ago um, when you compare everything you have to go through walking into how it was like back then? Yeah, you know what? Um, I mean, the bubble was a whole different experience in itself. And actually, like looking back on it, it was. Um, you know, they had it such down to a science, what you're supposed to do every day, that it worked, like, unbelievably well. Um, this year's a little bit different in terms of now they got, you know, we're only allowed to go in certain parts of the building. We can only enter through certain, you know, entrances. Um, you know, every race kind of have a different protocol, but, you know, it's the general stuff, right? Just make sure everyone's feeling okay and, you know, you haven't had any symptoms. A lot of rinks do temperature checks. Um, and then for us, you know, once you get in, you just, you go to your spot and that's kind of, can't really leave. Um, usually in the past, uh, I would be down in the TV trucks, you know, preparing for the game. Uh, I'd be like beside a, a graphics operator and, you know, I'd be there probably for a seven o'clock game. I'd be there at 10 in the morning and we'd be in the truck all day getting ready and preparing for the game. Now, just to keep, you know, the numbers down, I just go right to the booth when I get to the rink and, uh, I'm kind of there all day. So, um, you know, it's just, you get used to it, right? It's just, it's repetition now. I mean, this season flew by. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's just kind of, you got into a routine, right? I mean, I don't know how much you get to watch with everything going on in the booth there, but anything stick out to you from the uh, 3-1 win the other night? Uh, you know what? It was it was a super physical first period. Like, one of their most physical periods, I would think, of this season. Like, I think we had, we had about 50 combined hits in that first period. Um, so you, they're setting the tone, right? Like that's what they want to do. I mean, Connor and, and Leon didn't really do a whole lot. And that's, that's, that's a win. You can keep, you can shut those guys down and you got a chance. Right. So I thought, um, you know, they, they played very well defensively. They kind of, they didn't give them a whole lot of room and, you know, they're kind of getting those extra shots in when they can. And, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see if they can keep that up over these next couple of games. But, uh, I mean, I, I saw a lot of McDavid this year. I covered a lot of Oilers games and my God, he's just, he's next level. Like it's, it's unbelievable what he can do. So if you can shut him down, even, you know, one night, that's a huge win. So, um, it was great to see that. It was great to see some of these other guys step up like Logan Stanley. We actually in the booth, we, we were pretty sure that puck went in, uh, it ended up being a tip, but, um, yeah, it was great to see him kind of get in on that goal. So it was kind of, you know, some of the other guys, like Thompson had a big night, two assists. I thought uh, it was just kind of a win by committee. So, um, yeah, see if they can do it again. I mean, that was a, they need to get one of these two to at least, you know, make it a good series. So Yeah, I'll tell you what, the only thing nicer than a Jets victory 
are these wood jerseys you're cranking out there with your new company. I, and it doesn't matter if it's the blue or the white Jets one. Yeah. I, I guess you make Oilers ones too. They're okay. Uh, but the Jets <laughs> ones are, are where it's really at. So let's talk about wood jerseys. How do you go from stats guy in the booth to <laughs> making these sexy ass jerseys that look like the real thing, but I mean, clearly made out of wood. Yeah, you know, I wish I wish I could take the credit for actually making these like physically. Um, no, that's why my partner uh, Christopher, we call him Tiff. He's an unbelievably talented designer, woodworker. So he actually um, he came up with the idea right around actually when playoffs ended, and uh, he said, "Hey, what do you think of this?" And and you know, I I saw it immediately. I was like, "Oh my god, I want I want one of every team." Like it was so nice. And uh, it just kind of, it's grown from there. It's been a crazy ride, man, especially going through the hoops and uh, to get to the point where we are officially licensed with the NHL. Like that was a huge, huge thing for us. So we can actually legally sell these. Um, it's been, it's been a wild process and learning a lot of new things, but uh, you know, it's been amazing. Like the, the reaction and the feedback we've been getting from our, our customers has been amazing. And, uh, and you know, it looks sharp. Like, and for me, I mean, how many times have, have you hung up a jersey on your wall, right? You, you assault it with a nail and you, <laughs> you you tack it up, right? This is just a, it's a really clean way of, of kind of repping your team and uh, putting up something that's kind of that's really special. So, you know, we're excited to get it out. We uh, we launched a month ago and it's it's going good. We're, we're working hard behind the scenes to adding more teams and get more designs. It's uh, the process of designing and and coming up with a final product for each team it's quite lengthy and we put a lot of time and making sure we get it just perfect so uh you know we're going to be cranking these out our goal is to have the majority of the teams for next season and then uh, we got some pretty cool uh things in the works for for next season and if you guys haven't seen them they're just beautiful so like what what kind of wood is, i i have no idea how any craftsmanship works so <laughs> talk about the process that goes into making each one of these jerseys Oh, well, I mean, at this point, we'd be, you know, probably better off making these out of gold the way wood prices are going (laughs) right now. It's absolutely insane. But we, uh, the base is, is it's a finished um, furniture grade plywood. So a very, very high end plywood that we're using. And we have a really intricate system now that every jersey is a little bit different. But, um, you know, we, we do a lot of different processes where we're cutting sleeves in the shoulders and doing dots on the necks and basically it's kind of it's almost like a kind of a puzzle piece at the end it gets put together and it's just uh in the perfect way but every jersey's got its own kind of quirks and issues we got to deal with um that's why you know we we do take a lot of time in making sure we kind of get the aesthetic right and kind of give it that feeling that uh you know it's it's unique and different and um i mean from the 3d layering and the in the logo is there's a lot that goes into it, but uh, you know, we're super proud of, of what we got out there. And so far, you know, everyone loves it. Yeah. And, and you spoke about the process of getting, I guess, NHL affiliated or approved yep. um, is like part of that, you know, getting, I, I don't know, access to the logos and using some kind of technology to make sure you nail that part of it as well. Do they send you a color scheme too for each of the jerseys? Yeah, so as soon as we we had our, our LOI, so a letter of intent with the league, we um, we had access to all the different logo assets. So every every logo in the league, the NHL owns the rights to, and and there's a bunch of different things like some vintage and some you know retro and whatnot. So we have access to all of that, and then basically you know TIFF 
he, in his, you know, creative way, he'll take a jersey and he'll figure out how he's going to lay it out. And he's got to create designs for each one with with the CNC and our laser cutter. And it's pretty intricate. Like, it's not it's not so much, you know, just copy and paste and click it into the file and the machines kind of do its thing. It's uh it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty insane process that goes into these. So, um, you know, it's not like we're just slapping some paint on wood and a logo <laughs> and calling it a day. It's, it's quite the process, uh, but you know what it shows in the end product. Yeah. And they're beautiful. And I, I got to applaud you for the decision too. And maybe you can touch on what went behind this, but as good as the, the current jerseys are for the jets, the heritage ones just can't be beat. So how, how did you come across, uh, decided on going with yeah. the heritage ones to start instead of the the new logo and the new look you know that was just I, that was just myself i think i had a little influence on that where you know we're kind of humming and haunting and you know, it was a weird time to to launch this right like we by the time we went through the whole legal process and you know kind of dotted uh, the t's and or dotted the i's crossed the t's you know we only had about a month left in the season right before playoffs started so for us we really wanted to hone in on the canadian teams um and what designs we felt that we could get right you know quickly and i mean the, the, these jerseys are beautiful like i love the heritage jerseys um so it was an easy one to convince the the, the team to do first but i mean the ultimate goal is we're gonna have every you know we're gonna have multiple versions of each team uh and we got some other cool concepts we're gonna mix in eventually but uh you know we're just kind of scratching the surface now and we're looking forward to what the next few years bring is woodjerseys.com the website? Is that the best place for people to get in touch with you? Yeah, so uh, woodjerseys.com, jerseys with an S. Uh, you know, we're getting pretty active on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, so both are same handle at woodjerseys. Uh, getting into the TikTok game too, which has been pretty fun. Uh, so that's that's a whole other story. Uh, are you a big TikTok in. guy? Uh, okay, well, here, funny story. So I almost got kicked out of the, the playoff bubble. In Edmonton last year because of TikTok. So so I it was one of those things where, you know, there wasn't a whole lot to do between games. And I thought, you know, it'd be cool to kind of just kind of show what life was like in the bubble and uh, a little behind the scenes. And I, I did one video and overnight it just it blew up like it went crazy viral. I had a few million, like a few million views, like tens of thousands of followers and so I, I kept going with it and it was, you know, it was a lot of fun. And actually mentally, it just kind of kept me, you know, sane for the most part, just because it was, there was some rough moments and, you know, I got young family and, and it was kind of a, it was definitely a weird situation being in there. But um, yeah, I got to the point where I don't think the, the league was too happy and had a <laughs> lot of eyes and a lot of looks. And uh, anyways, I had to take it down, but uh, well-versed in TikTok. So yeah, that's definitely one of the things. I mean, for us, you know, the, the process and how these are made, it's a it's very fascinating to a lot of people. And that's something we want to kind of show behind the scenes. Uh, uh, this is how, you know, your jersey's put together, right? Yeah, no doubt. And again, woodjerseys.com is where you can find it. I mean, with Father's Day coming up, too, this is just prime opportunity for anybody here in, in Winnipeg and in Manitoba to pick up one of the oh, yeah. two heritage jerseys that you guys have available there. Yeah, and we got some. Uh, we're going to be working on some U.S. teams here soon, hopefully before, you know, once playoffs get going. We're really going to focus on, you know, who's making runs 
right now. And then once once the off season hits, then we will uh, we're going to be adding as many as we can for uh, for the start of next season. And uh, we actually do, we got something fun coming up with uh, I can't say who yet, uh, but we do have a Jets player involved. Uh, it is going to be for charity, so we got something pretty cool lined up that we'll uh, we'll be announcing in the next uh, couple of weeks here. So keep an eye out for that. That's awesome. Hey, and you know what? Manitoba loves supporting local businesses, so we'll make sure to, to help you guys out any way we can. It's a awesome. great look. The jerseys are beautiful. So Thank thanks you. so much for joining me today, man. All the best, and uh, let's uh, let's get wood jerseys pumping out there, okay? Yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, just so you know, we're going to put out a special promo just for your listeners. When you are checking out Skates Plates 10 for 10 bucks off, help you out with the shipping because that's kind of the biggest thing is getting these things shipped across you know the nation uh they're not uh it's not like we're shipping t-shirts but uh so that'll help a little bit with the shipping costs again that's uh skates plates both with us and then 10 uh when you're checking out unreal we we finally hit the big time we got ourselves our own promo code hey thank you thanks so much there and we'll make sure to get that out there but you know again ryan thanks for taking the time Hey, I appreciate it. Enjoy the playoffs, enjoy the coverage, and uh, hopefully these Jets go on a good run. Yeah, hopefully they do, and hopefully you guys can head over to woodjerseys.com and you know pick out either a blue or a white Heritage Jets one to hang up on your wall. And like I said in the interview, it really is the perfect Father's Day gift. So you know if the brothers and the sisters and the siblings and, and mom chip in, you can get the old man something pretty sweet come uh, whenever Father's Day is sometime this June. I'm, I'm a first-time father, so i got to figure out when the day actually comes here. But big thanks to Ryan for stopping by. And, and like he said, SkatesPlates10, use the promo code, and you'll get a little bit of money off the shipping of those fine jerseys. That wraps up the episode, though. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, preferably only five stars. But I I guess if you didn't like what you heard, go ahead and review that too. Any kind of feedback is welcome. Um, But hit us up on any podcast platform and, and give us a review. It really helps us out. We're back on Tuesday morning. We'll break down games two and three of the Jets Oilers series and see where things sit as the matchup eventually shifts here over to Winnipeg. In the meantime... Try to enjoy your weekend as best as you can. I know it sucks. But stay safe out there, everybody. And again, thanks for listening to Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Peace!